Shalom, and welcome to In the Beginning. My name is Shmuel Bowman, and I am a Torah scribe. Well, I am very excited to bring on our guest today. We're going to be having a conversation about the Torah teaching of Parshat Truma. And my guest today is Leah, my wife. So Leah is a licensed tour guide in Israel. And she's known for her interactive and exciting tours all over the country. And since the uh, since COVID started, she really launched Zoom tours, way of experiencing Israel from your own home. And now, not only is she offering private tours, but she also has open tours that individuals can register for for under $15 per person. That's absolutely amazing. So you're going to want to check out her website at IsraelOnlineTours.com. We're going to hear our conversation right after this message. Would you like to have your favorite Bible verse as it was originally written? Or give someone you love a special gift? Shmuel will create a Hebrew Bible verse of your choice on parchment in the traditional Torah scribal form. The parchment is set in a handcrafted wood frame in a choice of hues and silhouetted by an original design paper cut depicting the unforgettable Jerusalem skyline. The paper cut is offered in three exquisite colors, midnight blue, Burgundy Wine, and Desert Beige. Please visit our website, sacredscrolls.net. Well, hello, Leah. We are going to be talking about Parshat Truma. It's good to have you here today, and uh, I'm really looking forward to, to talking about this Torah teaching for this week. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. I'm a longtime fan, so it's really wonderful <laughs> to actually be with you on the program. Amazing, amazing. All right, so there's lots going on. There's so much happening in this week's Torah teaching, but you are passionate about something in particular that I really want to hear about. Well, first of all, uh, Parshat Truma, it just starts out with such an amazing statement that God tells uh, Moses, Vasuli Mikdash v'shachanti betocham. Make for me a sanctuary and I will dwell. And God doesn't say I will dwell in it. I, I will dwell among them. And I just love this because basically what God's telling us is that the part of the holiness of this tabernacle is going to become the temple, the Beit HaMikdash, is really not about these items, but it's really about bringing all the friends and family and everyone all together and, uh, and there's a special holiness about that. So I just, I love the opening. But then what particularly excites me is the Torah talks about making the menorah, this gold candelabra, seven branches. And this is something that really speaks to me because we see and we learn so much about this in Jerusalem. And as a tour guide, it's so exciting to look into the Torah portion and then to be able to look into what you see around you in the city and sort of bring it all together. So this is the this is the seven branch candelabra, right? This is the one that, you know, it's such a, an icon, isn't it? It's something that we, we so easily recognizable. Right. And of course, uh, it becomes perhaps even more famous with Hanukkah, which is nine. But we're not going to talk about that today. But we're talking about the seven branch gold menorah that was first created in the desert, right, in the time of Moses. And then it's going to be with the Jewish people all throughout until uh, the destruction of the second temple. Now, sometimes they did remake it, 
but the 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 symbolism, the 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 menorah, this gold uh, candelabra was always with uh, the people. This is one of the oldest Jewish symbols. It is. And when it actually becomes in the temple itself, in the tabernacle, Mishkan, it, it first, it's one of the vessels. And over there, its meaning is about the intellect. And it's basically everything in the tabernacle is going to connect to something out in the world. And the symbolism of the, uh, the, of the menorah, it's a symbolism of light, of course. But what is this particular type of light that it shines out to the world? It's the light of the intellect. And, and so that's the original symbolism. But when the temple is destroyed, uh, the second temple is destroyed by the Romans uh, in the year 70. So then the Romans are going to grab the menorah because uh, when they would destroy a temple of, of any people, they would take out the gods. Well, the Jewish people don't have that type of a god that, right. that you can right. grab out of a building. So they took out something. Not only was it incredibly valuable, you know, made of, of gold, but they uh, it was very symbolic. They took it out. They took it to Rome. They It was such an important symbol that they in, made a, an image of it in the Arch of Titus, a victory arch over the destruction of the temple of the Jewish people. And from that time, it starts to become not just a symbol of shining light out uh, using intellect, but actually a kind of a symbol of the Jewish people. And this is a symbol that we're going to see in, and archaeologists are going to find this throughout time, throughout all of the centuries, when Jewish people were kicked out of Jerusalem, not allowed to really be in Jerusalem, but were eventually building synagogues and and other Jewish uh, buildings, cemeteries, whatever it was. And there was always an image there of the menorah uh, we find in the third century, fourth century, until today. And then, of course, today's uh, perhaps famous menorah is the emblem of the state of Israel, which was chosen on purpose with the idea of bringing back the menorah, bringing back the menorah to the state of Israel in 1948 with the establishment of the state. So that's really amazing that you have a situation where 2,000 years ago, the menorah is, you know, stolen by by the Romans. It is uh, is taken off to Rome, and really sensibly, you would think, okay, it's gone. Let's move on and find symbols or find something that we can cling to that's in in our own hands. But no, that's not what's going on. It's gone, and yet it remains so central and so important. And perhaps because of the very reasons that you've discussed, it remains a value. And I also think it's noteworthy that that you can actually, there you are going to Rome and you're looking right at this arch and there in front of you is the story of that, of that theft, of that conquering of, of the menorah and what went with it, the destruction of the second temple. And that story is still there today. But 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 the Jewish nation is in a very different place, isn't it? Yes, it is. The story is still there today. Um, in fact, the Jews of Rome refused to ever walk under that arch until the state was established. And then on, they did a procession through the Arch of Titus, heading back to Jerusalem in 1948. And this is a symbol that, as I mentioned, we find in archaeology all throughout the land of Israel, also outside the land of Israel. And so there's um, this is what it can become from not just a national, uh, very powerful symbol, but even a personal symbol. There's an archaeologist named Elat Mazar, and she comes from a whole family of archaeologists. She's still actively uh, working today, digging today in Jerusalem. She was the one that first found the palace of King David in the city of David. And Elat had the opportunity to dig on the area of the southern steps of the Temple Mount in the excavations there. 
Uh, that area had been dug before, but she, she wanted to go back in and take another look, go a little deeper. And in the excavation, and this was in 2013, not a long time ago, she comes across a gold medallion, spectacular. It's like the size of like your two hands put together. Wow. Gold medallion. Amazing. The, uh, with a, a perfect image of a menorah on this gold, pure gold medallion. Where can people see that today? Is it is it like kept away in some box somewhere or does she have it in her house or where is it? Ah, uh, no. Fortunately, although there's not a lot of room in our museums because we have so much to show, they did make a space for it in the renewed Israel Museum in Jerusalem. And wow. definitely, and she published a book. It's fabulous, definitely worth seeing. And when she finds this, she is so emotional, so excited. Now, because it's gold, she knows that people are going to want to know, what is this? What's the story? And right away, she, she doesn't know the story. She kind of pieces together later. It was probably from Jews who had come back to Jerusalem in the 7th century for a brief time and got chased out and had to hide it. They hid it just under the floor. They wrapped it up neatly in a little bag and they hid it under the floor. Uh, unfortunately, they, they didn't return, but we did return and we found this. She found this. And, um, and as she has an incredible story, a personal story about the menorah, she said that her great grandfather and her grandfather and another relative, all of them archaeologists, they all found menorahs in their excavations. Beautiful, spectacular, huge in all different places all throughout the, uh, the land of Israel. One of her relatives was one of the first Jewish archaeologists to uh, to excavate here in the 1920s. And so when she finds this menorah, it's not just for her a symbol, a tremendous symbol of the Jewish people, but it's her own personal symbol. Now, more than this, her husband, and now remember, he was named before they met, of course. Her husband's name is Yair. It's actually from the Torah. It means to illuminate. Actually, wow. he was named for the menorah, uh, his parents, he was born in the in the week in which that Torah portion was read and uh, talks about uh, lighting the menorah and he was named Yair. Now wow. she likes the sound, right? She likes the sound. And now you're, you're lucky that uh, we didn't do this with our kids, but uh, she likes the sound Yair. And so she decides she's gonna name uh, the three boys, they have three boys and a girl, they named the three boys after the kind of the sound. She likes this, this imagery. She and so the boys' names are Sneer, Devere, and Ophir. Okay, all powerful names on their in their own right, but but she names it to kind of go with Yair. So we have this menorah sort of you know symbolism in her life. And she says that this this is really her most powerful connection to Judaism. And I think it's fabulous because she is a woman of the intellect. She is an archaeologist, she's a, a scientist. Right. This is her her deep. This is her connection. And, and it's just really spectacular that uh, this was the original meaning of the uh, of the menorah itself and something that that we can experience today in the modern state of Israel. Israel is a leader in in spreading uh, science and technology and uh, green technology, biotechnology. So many good things are coming out of Israel, being spread out to the world. And so it just all comes together. Amazing. Amazing. This has been. Very illuminating. Uh -huh. <laughs> and seriously, it has been. And I think you've really touched on some very, very important points. And I know there's so much more to discuss, but this has just given us really a taste of, wow, what this powerful image, what this powerful thing is, this menorah, and what its central role in the Jewish story is all about. So thank you very, very much for, for having this conversation with me today. 
I've been speaking with Leah Bowman. She's a licensed guide in Israel. And you're going to want to check out her website at www.israelonlinetours.com. I'll repeat that. It's www.israelonlinetours.com. And I should just mention that uh, this is from her website. Leah loves to show people all the key sites and behind-the-scenes places they most enjoy. Now, she is also bringing these beautiful places, inspiring stories, and fascinating history to you in your home. That's right. Even in these times when uh, it's not possible at the moment to come on over to Israel, Leah can bring Israel to you. So you want to check her out on her website at israelonlinetours.com. Please join me every week for new ideas and uh, let's share these secrets together. Shalom. I'm Shmuel Bowman. In the Beginning is produced by Sacred Scrolls. You can subscribe to our podcast on SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple, Google Podcasts, or Amazon Music. If you have any questions or comments, please be in touch through our website at sacredscrolls.net. Thank you for listening.